Welcome to the Real Estate Espresso Podcast, your morning shot of what's new in the world of real estate investing. I'm your host, Victor Menashe. This is the weekend edition where we interview notable people from the world of real estate investing. Today is no exception. We have a great guest all the way from San Diego, California. Welcome to the show, Ryan Smith. Thank you so much for having me, Victor. Well, great to have you here. Now, Ryan, you are a specialist in a particular type of financing. I'm very excited to have this conversation because it's a form of financing that is a it's a great form of financing, difficult to get, meaning it's a long road to get there. But uh, once you have it, can be some of the most attractive financing in the marketplace today. But before we do, maybe give a little bit of your backstory and how you got to this point in your journey. Yeah, I kind of joke around. I still don't know what I want to do. But for now, what I really love to do is work with small business owners and entrepreneurs who are purchasing owner-occupied commercial real estate. And that's important because a lot of real estate investors at the end of the day end up having businesses in addition to just a piece of real estate. Uh, Often those operating businesses are running within the property that they own. It might be a self-storage facility. It might be a senior care home. It could be all kinds of different businesses for which the SBA product, the Small Business Administration product, could be a candidate source of financing. Yeah, absolutely. And those product types that you mentioned, I refer to them as covered land. And what I mean by that is the business component is germane to the property. So that would also go for gas station C stores and car washes. And as you mentioned, the SBA financing option is a very powerful tool uh, primarily because, number one, um, there are high leverage options as opposed to conventional. Um, and then two, typically, not always, but typically the credit qualification is easier than a conventional loan. Now, when you say easier, meaning the threshold to meet that might be easier, doesn't mean it has less paperwork. Doesn't mean it has less paperwork. That's where I come in play to help individuals through the paperwork and the process, but easier from a credit qualification standard. For example, most conventional lenders will not lend to individuals who are purchasing a gas station C-store, a car wash, residential care facility, or a storage facility if they don't have prior experience. Enter the SBA. The SBA will entertain individuals purchasing those product types who do not have prior ownership experience. Now, these SBA loans come with all uh, kind of an alphabet of uh, different names, 504. Uh, What are these different loan types? So the two primary SBA real estate financing options are going to be the SBA 504 and the SBA 7A. And for your listeners, let me just really quickly differentiate between the two. The SBA 504 is definitely the most notable and well-known of the two financing options. The 504 is two loans comprised of a conventional loan and then the SBA part, which is called and referred to as the debenture. The reason why this is such a powerful tool is it allows individuals to leverage up, for example, a mini storage, a residential care facility, a gas station C-store, up to 85% loan to value. The conventional lender works with a CDC, which is a certified development company. They're a nonprofit who has the ability to lend SBA funds through the SBA 504 program. 
Something to note about the SBA 504 is that typically, because the conventional lender is taking less risk at 50% loan to value, that loan also comes with a prepayment penalty from the conventional lender. It may also come with loan covenants that have to be met on an annual basis. So although the 504 is well-known, widely used, and typically an easier loan to obtain than a conventional loan because, again, of the 50% loan-to-value being carried by the conventional lender, there are also some challenges with the 504 after the loan funds because there's two loans. There are also two prepayment penalties. And again, there are loan covenants that have to be met on an annual basis. The other program is the SBA 7A. It also shares the advantage of being able to leverage up to 85% loan to value. However, the 7A is one loan. And what that means is that because there is only one loan, you have one prepayment penalty. And the prepayment penalty is typically seen as advantageous as the interest would be 5% in year one, 3% in year two, and 1% in year three. And the 7A even has a lower qualification threshold because when the 504 interest rates are typically fixed, and let me just make sure that everyone understands, the 504 first, again, is a conventional loan, and that loan may be fixed for 5, 10, or 15 years. The second, the debenture, is fixed for the entirety of the loan. So that's 25 years. The 7A features either a quarterly adjustable variable interest rate, which has an easier qualification threshold, or with a few select lenders, the 7A also features a fixed interest rate. I have coined this the silver bullet 7A, and that's because if an individual qualifies for this financing, it will trump all other financing out there. And the reason is because the fixed interest rate term is 25 years. The interest rate is extremely competitive and almost always lower than a conventional interest rate. And out of the 504, 7A and conventional, it has the shortest prepayment penalty structure. The only caveat to that is that the SBA 7A does have a guarantee fee. The SBA is a self-funded federal government program that passes on a guarantee fee to the borrowers. However, now is an unprecedented time in history because the SBA has recently updated their rules to eliminate that fee for loans up to $1 million and greatly reduce that fee for loans up to $2 million. Fascinating. So why wouldn't anybody just automatically go for the 7A? Why would you even look at the 504? So a couple of things. Number one, the 504 has been marketed fantastically by banks for the same reason that I've already mentioned. It mitigates their risk. Number two, the CDCs work in tandem with these banks and do again a great job of marketing to the real estate brokers. So it goes something like this. The business owner wants to buy a business. They contact a real estate broker. The real estate broker is typically almost always in contact with a CDC because, again, they're very good at marketing, and they will actually obtain a CDC pre-qualification. 
the CDC will then act, quote unquote, as a broker and will refer them to a first trustee lender. However, the CDC only finances 504s. So they have zero incentive and gets, in fact, it would be um, moronic for them to even think about referring the 7A because they don't do that. They can't so of sell it. They would, yeah. Of course they wouldn't do that. So the first answer to your question is the marketing behind the SBA 504 program um, is powerful and it's everywhere and borrowers just don't know. Now, the second reason is that the 7A is only better than the 504 for some borrowers if they qualify for the silver bullet 7A, meaning you get the fixed interest rate, it's low with the short prepayment penalty. For everybody else, they're going to receive a quarterly adjustable interest rate. And typically that interest rate, again, if they're not the tip of the spear qualifying client, that interest rate will be prime plus. So the silver bullet 7A is based on the 10-year treasury typically with a margin above it. And again, right now, for example, I'm quoting on a silver bullet 7A to a highly qualified software engineering company, an interest rate in the low sixes fixed fully for 25 years. However, if the individuals do not qualify for that silver bullet 7A, now that interest rate is quarterly adjustable and it will be a factor of prime, which is currently at eight and a half percent over two to up to 3%. So at that point, that interest rate is much higher. And for example, the 504 interest rate today, the debenture anyway, is in the seven percents and a first trustee conventional interest rate can be anywhere from six and a half up to 8%. So you can see in today's current environment, if an individual does not qualify for the silver bullet 7A, but for the what I call the generic quarterly adjustable 7A, they will definitely want to qualify for the 504 because it is a lower interest rate, which then also means that in today's interest rate environment, it's easier to qualify based on the debt service of that loan. Can you talk a little bit about the range of businesses that would qualify for an SBA loan? Let's say I'm running, I go buy a piece of dirt and I decide I'm going to turn that into a parking lot as a way of land banking and I'm now in the parking business. Does that qualify? No, that would be seen as a passive real estate investment. So what I share with people is very simple. The SBA is into financing operating businesses. So think about a, there are a few caveats, and you've already mentioned one, but I'll mention a couple of more. But typically, an individual is going to own a business, again, typically family-owned, privately held, but not necessarily, and they're going to be producing a widget or providing a service. So think attorneys, CPAs, but then also automobile repair and everything in between. The SBA does not finance passive real estate activities. However, the SBA does finance hospitality. So hotels, motels do qualify. As you had already mentioned, the SBA does finance self-storage facilities and even self-storage facilities that have property managers. For example, I helped an individual who lives in Santa Monica, California, acquire a self-storage facility 
with an SBA-approved property management company. So in essence, to him, that was a passive real estate investment that did qualify and was eligible and is eligible today for SBA financing. Likewise, individuals will come to me and want to purchase a hospitality property and convert it into an Airbnb. And here's what I tell them very simply. The SBA wants to make sure that you have boots on the ground to serve those clients. So there must be someone actively on the property. It can't be a typical Airbnb where they sign up through the internet and you give them a code and they let themselves in and out. That is the slight nuance to obtain SBA financing for short-term rentals. I love it. Now, one of the things that we often hear about SBA as a program is this is not a quick close loan by any stretch. What's the typical underwriting process? And talk a little bit about the hoops that the borrower needs to jump through. So the main thing a borrower wants out of the SBA loan process is to know where they're headed and how to get there. And what I mean by that is, sure, there are documents and applications that need to be completed. However, if the individual knows and is instructed what these documents are for and why they're filling them out and what the outcome is, then the paperwork doesn't seem as daunting. And that's why I've provided resources to my clients so they can understand these things. And then how do we get there? Well, number one, provide truthful information in a way that can be easily digested by the lender. And when the lender asks a question, sends an email, needs information, don't sit on it for several days. Most loans do not close in the typical time frame, which is 45 to 60 days. And yes, that is accurate, not because of the lender, but because of the borrower. What happens is the lenders do this every day. I do this every day. So for us, this is simple. This is easy. But the borrowers that I'm working with and that the lenders are working with, because they are owner operators, this is not necessarily during the time of the application, their primary objective. They have things to do during the day. So they relegate this to the evening or the weekends. And that means they table the questions and then come back to them later. And if they do that, then the lender is also going to table the application for a period of time. And if the lender has to jump in, jump out and jump in, you can see how that makes for a very poor process. Now, where I come in is I instruct my clients, number one, when we get questions, either I can answer those questions because I'm familiar with the file, or if I can't, I will contact my client, whether via text, phone, or email, get that answer very quickly, and then get it right back into the hands of the lender so they can move on. And Victor, what I can tell you is that when the borrowers participate in a way that keeps the file moving, an SBA loan is not going to take longer than any other commercial loan. Fascinating. Well, Ryan, if folks want to connect, if they want to learn more, what's the best way? Go to thinksba.com. They can find all my contact information, my audio narrated podcast for business owners and entrepreneurs, and they can find me on X, formerly known as Twitter, at my SBA Pro. Love it. Well, love what you're doing and 
I really appreciate the very clear explanation. For the listeners at home, definitely connect with Ryan Smith at thinksba.com. The link will be in the show notes. And in the meantime, have an awesome rest of your weekend. Go make some great things happen. And we'll talk to you again tomorrow. Bye.